Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where it's a strange age such that even the dead horse we beat may die. This week, we delve into the hybrid world of Cthulhu Tech, where anime and flavor collide. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm being told it's anime and Lovecraft. This game is pretty playable, but it's also worth making fun of, so let's get to it on today's System Mastery. Welcome back. How are you this week, John? I am dead, but I may live again. You're you're a dead butt? Yes, I am a dead butt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We're off to a start. Yeah, this is a good start. This okay. is the best start. So, uh, apologies in advance if we're loopy or crazy. We just came off a long party. Yeah. Uh, this week we are reviewing Cthulhu Tech. Which uh, I thought was going to be some serious actual balls. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was too. Uh, I was fully expecting kind of just a mishmash of confusing rules and boring Cthulhu nonsense. And... Yeah, most of the times when I look at anything Cthulhu-inspired, it ends up just sort of falling all over itself to either fillet Lovecraft... Or just be as mean as possible to players and give them nothing to do. Yeah, there's a lot of that. It's a lot of... Most Cthulhu things seem to be kind of, okay, describe stuff to the players. Ask yeah. them to make one choice. They fail it. They are dead. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of like, you can play as whatever regular type people that aren't cool, and then you die. I'm like, okay, well, uh, thanks. One of you is an actuary. <laughs> oh, joy. Not you. You make soft pretzels for a living. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, maybe one guy managed to convince him to let him be like, I'm a private detective. I have a gun. It is useless against the horrors from outside space. Fuck you, Jim. You're dead. Yeah. So the way that this uh, Cthulhu tech differentiates itself from other Cthulhu mythos games is basically by just wholesale lifting anime stuff. Like, yeah, it's like not a, even like, and we threw some anime ideas in there. It is straight up just stolen things yeah. from various anime. It's similar. It's not like Taco Bell with its uh, inspired by Mexican cuisine, <laughs> but not actually Mexican cuisine. No, this is just. Hey, remember Guyver? What if he was fighting Cthulhu things? Yeah, what if we just changed the name of that? Oh, okay. And then what? And that's it. The end. Yay! I'd say this game is about, what, it's probably 25% uh, Cthulhu stuff. Yeah. 25% Guyver. Yeah. 25% Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. And 25%, I'd say, just generic giant robot stuff, like yeah. your, your, your Gundams and your Tex Robo. Yeah, it's just like, and then we threw in all the giant robots that aren't Evangelion, just because, why not? It's anime. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't just wear these these kind of <laughs> references on its sleeve. Like, I, the taggers in this game are Guyver armor. That's what they are. No, and it, I mean, the book does at least start with, hey, for reference, you should see these things. But then, of course, if you go see those things, you're like, wow, you just totally lifted that. Congratulations. <laughs> So what you what we have here is a surprisingly playable game based on taking two things that are widely recognized but not original properties, Lovecraft and some popular animes, smacking them together and then just kind of putting a cover on that. Yeah, uh, which it works way better than I would think for doing that. 
I mean, it, it seems like they put some effort into it for a property that could have been just really low effort and low, uh, like, time put into making any of the systems work or any of the dice rolls work or anything like that. Although, I do still have some issues with some of the things in there. Fair enough. So, uh, in this game, you play as humans in what's known as the Age of Aeons. Uh, the... Humans or Nazadi. Uh, we'll get to the Nazadi. We really want to talk about Nazadi a great deal. Uh, but you play as humanity and uh, adjutant humanity in an age called the Age of Aeons. Yeah. Which is basically uh, post a massive Arcanotech war where the Migo, who you'd remember from Lovecraft books... Uh, attacked Earth using Nazadi, which are, what, drow? Yeah, it's just drow humans. They're just drow. I mean, they have black skin, they have silvery tattoos all over them. And they can, they have dark vision, so, you know. Yeah, all the art has them with pointy ears. Yeah, they just, they're supposed to just be essentially weird alien humans, but they just turned them into drow. The story behind them is that the Migo made them using reference points of what humans are afraid of. They were like, okay, so what are humans afraid of? Uh, black, black people. people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people with tattoos. Yeah. Sharp elf ears. Anyone that can see in the dark. And people who have uh, plus one to agility. Those yeah. are... I don't trust any of that. Uh, and so... so they com- Circus folk, mostly. Yeah, so they combine... Oh, sexy people. Yeah, they're, oh, yeah. yeah, they're all real live and so on. So, basically, they were just like, well, humans are clearly afraid of nerd sex fetishes. <laughs> uh, we'll, yeah. We'll send those after them. So, they made a bunch, of, a whole race called the Nazadi, and then, for some reason, tricked them into thinking they were from another planet entirely, but that they were invading Earth, even though they weren't... Like, instead of just saying, we're from Pluto, it was like, no, we're from a made-up planet. Well, yeah, they... they so, they take human DNA and change it into the Nazadi, make their own race, and then they use... They have this process whereby they can, like, implant memories and do brainwashing sort of things. So they all fast-grow them. They are, like, adults in three weeks and so on. And then they make them all think that they're from an alien race that hates humans and is going to go conquer them. But they managed to, for some reason, in the first generations of ones that they made didn't do that with all of them and told some of them the actual, like, history behind them for no fucking reason? Well, no, it's it's for a reason. It's because that's what the Zentradi were in the Robotech (laughs) and Macross stories, were a created race sent to invade humans and look like humans that were then converted, or convinced not to kill humans and join the humans. Yeah. That's that's why they have the storyline they do. Yeah. It's just that instead of the Invid or whatever, you have uh, the Migo. Which, if you remember your uh, Lovecraft, Amigo is part crustacean, part uh, like fungus, fungus, and part uh, insect. Yeah. Uh, and it, they, they, in this book, they changed the spelling of their name. Uh, I guess just because they didn't like Lovecraft's kind of simple M I dash G O spelling. Yeah. So they changed it to the Migu. Migu. So it's M I G O U, which is just the Tibetan word for Yeti. Abominable snowman, which is perfect when you're describing a ten foot long kind of flying bug with tentacle hangers. Yeah, sure. That that is exactly what the ancient Tibetans thought when they saw that. They were like, "Yeah, that that seems like a a a snowman." Abominable snowman. We'll build a snowman. 
He is gonna be a fungus crab. <laughs> so, so that's basically uh, what the Mego are. They still live on Pluto. They still mean to invade the Earth. Uh, they are just kind of the face, the weird kind of faceless oppressors. Yeah, but they're not the, alone. They, the the Nazati thing is weird as well because okay, so the Nazati come, they invade. And then eventually the word gets out that, hey, we're not actually some other race. We're just weird humans. And then they rebel. And they're like, well, fuck you then, Migos. And then join humanity. And then the Migos come try to fuck us up personally. Which makes, again, no sense in that it, the book basically just says, yeah, the Migo are way more advanced and way smarter and just better at everything than us. And we discovered Arcanotech. And they didn't, but then after a month of seeing our stuff, made it as well and made it better. Yeah. And, but they decided, you know what, instead of just showing up and obliterating the planet, let's make some weird people. Let's, <laughs> let's do... make some drow and get them down there. Cause yeah. the main thing that world's missing is dark elves. Yeah, so that, it, this is, I'm going to bring up any point of contention I have with this book, because there are only a few. And the entire Mego storyline is just dreadful. Fair enough. Okay, let's actually get into the mechanics of the game. Yeah, yeah. You've got your standard stat spread. Mm-hmm. You got your strength, agility, your tenacity, which is your sort of stamina. Yeah, there's the the interesting one in this game is your orgone. Which is just derived from various stats. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I believe in this game you, you point by your stats. There's, I don't, I don't think there's a rolling. Nope. You have, uh, the six stats and then, uh, 35 points. Mm-hmm. So you could be, uh, just slightly above average in everything or average and then just amazing in one thing or whatever right. you want to be. Stats range from one to ten and technically above ten and that's like your amazing paragons. Yeah. And, and it, it is D10 based. Yes. It's all D10s. Uh, and then the core mechanics, oh, there's skills, which range from, I think, 1 to 5? Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, it's interesting because it's a D10 system that doesn't follow the other D10 systems I've seen, and I've seen a few, and mm-hmm. I think we've reviewed a couple even. Yes. Uh, but in this one, your skills are telling you how many dice you're going to roll. Mm-hmm. They tell you your number of D10s. Your stats are just a static addition to whatever you roll. Mm-hmm. And the roll itself is really weird in how you pick what numbers you get. That's right, yeah. So basically, let's say your character wants to, uh, I don't know, not get sick. So he's going to take his tenacity check, his toughness effectively, and he's wading into that cancer ward or whatever. It's someplace, someplace more infectious than cancer. <laughs> and uh, and he goes in there and he's got his uh, medicine skill and he's rolling it with his tenacity. And let's say he has a medicine roll of three. That means he's rolling 3d10, and he's adding his tenacity score. And the the way in which you actually decide what those 3d10 do for you is one of three things. Basically, it's poker. Uh, you can either take the highest die. Yeah, you can get, like, if I rolled a 379, I could take 9 and add it to my stat. Now, if you rolled 445, you can combine any two like stats... It's so, like numbers, yeah. Yeah, so if you've got two fours, you can get an eight. If you've got two sixes, you can get a twelve. So in doing that, you can get above the standard ten, which right. would normally be the max. So if you rolled a four, a four, and a five, you wouldn't take the highest, which is a five. You take four plus four and get an eight. Yeah. And then the last thing you can do is you can roll a straight. You, if you roll three, four, five, then you get twelve. Yeah. Because you get three plus four plus five. 
and any number of dice that, that add up to a straight in your series of dice, because you can get bonuses to the number of dice you're rolling, and you can have skills as high as five and specialties that take your your number that you're rolling above that. Yeah. So let's say you roll seven dice and you get one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven, <laughs> then you get that insane number on your skill check. Yeah. Uh, which there's, it's got a spread of, okay, if it's insanely easy to do something, it's like an eight. And then if it's insanely difficult, it's a 32. The chances of you getting a 32, unless you are rolling like seven, eight dice, and get a straight are pretty much nil. Right. If you get that 1 through 7, you get a 28, and then you add on your, uh, whatever your stat is, and hey, if your stat was above 5 or so, then yay, you're gonna find, you're gonna succeed at this impossible task. But it's very, very unlikely. Yeah. But all three of those mechanics are, every time you roll dice, you get to check the, the, uh, three different types of mechanic to see what your highest result is, and then you take your highest result. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. Uh, instead of going the route of just rolling a shit ton of dice like you normally see, you have very few D10s that you end up rolling, mm-hmm. but you end up having more interaction with your roll than just seeing, like, did I get some successes or whatever. You actually kind of have to pay attention to what you're rolling to see if you got a straight or pairs. I find it amusing because one of the things I always think about when I when I look at people playing D10 games is that they're rolling 15 dice and it's kind of hard for them to... uh you know, it's kind of hard to be honest when you're looking at 15 dice, because who's looking at them with you? You're going to scoop those right back up, because because no one's going to sit there and look at the same 15 dice you are and be like, no, you had one less seven than you said. <laughs> but in this case, it's only like four dice, and you have to sit there and scrutinize them to do your math. Yeah, everyone is looking at what you're doing. Yeah, I feel like you're going to end up a little more honest with a system like this. Eh, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, so you've got that. There's an interesting little sidebar in the uh, the attributes thing about their... Their stat that is essentially charisma, which is like presence or something. Yeah, it's presence. Uh, and that governs both your how pretty you are and how like much actual presence of personality you've got. Right. And just this little sidebar about like normally people don't give a shit and they'll just be ugly and try to min-max. Don't do that because then you'll be socially terrible. I'm like, yeah, but. I'm just trying to min-max to be a combat monkey, I, again, don't care. Yeah. Like, you couldn't intimidate anyone. I don't care. I'm just going to shoot him to death. Now, it's funny that they actually bother to put that sidebar in, because being sexy and being ugly are codified into the game, because this game has merits and flaws. Ooh, we all know those are your favorite thing, Jeff. I love them. I love reading merits and flaws sections and finding the terrible flaws and the awesome merits and <laughs> and vice versa. And this game's better than most. Uh, uh, it does have all the usual suspects. Oh, it's got every single one of the ones I hate, but they aren't as bad as usual, except for the ones that are, un- I think, unfixable. And I'd say Rival, uh, anyone that's just spotlight by, Rival yeah. is a flaw. You have a person out there who wants to be better than you. They don't want to kill you, they just want to win. There's, and honestly, they have, I think, three different versions of this. They have Rival, yeah. they have Enemy, and then they have an organization that hates you. Yeah. So you could actually have a guy who wants to be better than you, a guy who wants to kill you, and an organization that wants to kill you. And that would get you, like, ten points. Yeah, it's Skeletor and the Masters of Evil. (laughs) Skeletor in particular hates you, Skeletor's organization hates you, and Skeletor hates you because he thinks he might not be better than you. (laughs) (laughs) And he prays! I wish I... God, do I pray! God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, what is going on? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you ever seen the Christmas special? 
Yeah, I have. I have seen the Christmas special. My I think favorite, I own it. My favorite part of that is when he's standing out in the cold with the two kids, and they're like, we're cold, Skeletor. And he goes, I don't care! <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, we're way off topic. Um, Okay, so... Fucking, what were we talking about? He-Man and the anime of the Cthulhu universe? Yeah, that's what it is. It's He-Man versus Cthulhu. And he's in a giant robot. <laughs> okay. No, we were talking about uh, how this game has merits and flaws. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, so there are multiple flaws that you can take that are really just ways to rest the spotlight towards yourself. There are a lot of flaws in this game that would be nothing in other games. Like, Repellent, for example, is just... You're gross and people don't like you for yeah. a variety of reasons. Pick, pick a reason people think you're nasty. Yeah, and normally you see that in a game and it doesn't do anything. It just says, your character's gross and nasty. No one likes you. The end. Yeah, it'd be like, I'm Stinky Pete, the guy who's better than you at whatever this game is about because I'm also stinky. <laughs> exactly. Well, are you in a giant robot? Yep, don't care. <laughs> no one can smell me it's in this giant <laughs> fucking robot. It's completely full of air fresheners. <laughs> uh, but in this game they actually give you codified penalties for a lot of the ones that are kind of... Like, for example, lazy or mean are, are what... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the the penalty, aside from generally people think you're a lazy asshole or no one wants to be around you for, like, social penalties, is you actually have penalties to your karma. They've got the karma points that... Mm-hmm. Or drama points in this that you can spend. Uh, and the drama points refresh during uh, each adventure. Mm-hmm. And drama points are essentially dice. Yeah. Uh, they either add dice to your roll or subtract from someone else's roll. Which is important because this game is fatal as hell. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you have an average health, uh, it does sort of split the difference between, say, the White Wolf, where you've got the health levels, and tracks. each level gives you some penalty. So it still has that, yeah. but you've got HP within each level that goes beyond that. Right, well, that's kind of how Shadowrun works. Yeah, so, so it's kind of like that. Uh, but so anyway, yeah, if you spend a drama point, you can reduce the number of dice that someone is rolling to hit you. And you can reduce to zero, in which case they just use base stat. Right. This game has a taking ten equivalent called using base stat, where you say, okay, I, I need to uh, climb up that wall, but I don't have any skills in climbing, so I'll just use my uh, dexterity or agility. And I will just take that base number, which, oh, six. Okay. Does a six beat the difficulty to climb the wall? No. Well, I can't climb the wall then, but that's that's how that works. Yeah. So, uh, with, for example, the lazy drawback, you get less karma points at the start of each adventure. Uh, the other thing about this game that's unique in the flaw system is that this game has no qualms at all about taking control of characters. <laughs> so, uh, there's mean, for example. Mean, literally, if you come up on a point where your character could hurt someone, and you don't, then the, the uh, story guide, as they are called, is encouraged to make you roll a test... And if you fail it, you have to hurt that person. Yeah. This, uh, I mean, it's... It's a Cthulhu game. It's a Cthulhu so. game, so loss of control of your character is going to be sort of assumed, but it's less insanity and more fuck you. Uh, don't don't worry about whether or not there's insanity, though. There There is. By God, there's, there are insanity points. Lots of insanity points and an insanity table you can roll on to see how insanity you are. Yep. And uh, if you are a certain couple of uh, occupations, you, get, you actually do get insanity points to start. The easiest way to get insanity points in this game is either to cast a dumb spell huh. or to uh, to just start as one of the occupations that starts with an insanity point. Yeah. Uh, also, with each insanity point you get, you get to go through a list of insanities and pick one. It says your story guide can pick them and you're allowed to lobby for ones you want. 
Uh, they are basically a, a kind of short version of the DSM. It's just like, oh, your character has PTSD. Your character is hyperactive. Your character is afraid of snakes. Yeah. So it's got sort of your standard laundry list of here are some phobias and some conditions and some whatevers. Yeah. You know, and up to and including the fucking multiple personality disorder, which... Goddamn! How rare is that? Why it, is that in every table? Well, yeah, it's 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 it, they always put it in, and no one actually has it. And it, yeah, it gives you a headmate. Yeah, I, I hear. There you it. go. Yeah, that's what it is. It gives you. A, it turns you into a multiple system. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. That's good. I'm good, glad. Good times. Uh, anyway, yeah. So there's there's um there's some merits and flaws you can pick from. Merits include things like you have a sexy voice, uh, you are luring, and there are. Basically, the the flip side merits and flaws, where it's like you know you're alluring instead of repellent and yeah. things like that, uh, and of course it does at least give you the thing where it says, "Hey, you can't take both of these." Yeah, it does have that sidebar. You can't. Like, you be can't able- have an annoying voice and an awesome voice at the same time. I disagree. Yeah, you can be Gilbert Gottfried, Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah, there are people with awesome crappy voices. Yeah, H. John Benjamin, for God's sake. Oh, man, yeah. Right? That guy. Yeah, so, um, okay. Now let's get into uh, how you perform in this world. What are the classes, so to speak? Uh, yeah, so there aren't really classes as much as there are jobs. Right. And most of the jobs end up being split into one of a couple things. Uh, you're either going to be part of the government slash military. The NGE, or I think it's the, the New Earth... No, yeah, no, sorry, NG, New Earth Government. Yeah, so you're either part of the New Earth Government because when we get invaded by aliens, obviously everyone bands together and goes, well, fuck it, we'll just make Chicago our new capital because, you know... Because we'll, it's we'll, terrible and awful. We'll do that. That's a wicked sweet nag, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to pick up on the NEG. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking pretty good for a, you know, a fat government. <laughs> so the government uh, kind of got an overbite. It makes you look a little like Bugs Bunny, but that's cute. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this, uh, this NEG has a bunch of different things you could be. You can be anywhere from just a standard grunt soldier mm-hmm. or a mechanic. Or a, a wizard who works for the government or yeah. a sorcerer, they call themselves. Uh, or you can be one of the mech pilots, or you can be one of the Engel pilots. Now, Engel is German for angel, which is uh, the bad guys in the, the Evangelion. Uh, in Evangelion. But in this game, they've repurposed the bad guy name to the good guys. Yeah. And that's the only difference. Otherwise, Engels are basically vaguely living, vaguely robotic, yeah, uh, giant you, robos. That, you have a psychic link yeah. with your giant robo. And only you can ride it, and it won't let anyone ride it who isn't you. And you can't ride any other ones. Yeah. And also, you hate your dad. And, <laughs> and can't stop screaming. Yeah. At all times. That's that's what happens if you have an angle. Actually, it's not that far off from what happens to Shinji. If, or Shinji. If you have an angle, you start with an insanity point. Yep. You and having one insanity point is not enough to make you actually insane. Mm-hmm. But uh, being a pilot... And having this weird psychic thing in your brain mm-hmm. means every week you have to make a standard sanity check. And if you fail that shit, you go more insane. Yeah, you hate your dad even more. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I hate that show. I hate, that main character is the whiniest little bitchy bitch of all the bitch lands. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, uh, I, I just so, I hate it. 
Yeah. Anyway, so um, you've got the government, or you can be a tager, which is basically the Giver. If you work for the, was it the Cult of the Illuminated, or the... Yeah. Yeah. Because there are a bunch of different cults in this, and mm-hmm. this is the good cult. This is the cult that was bad, and then they went, wait a minute, this is just gonna destroy humanity, maybe let's not worship an old god that hates us. Yeah, this is like the Don't Fear the Reaper cult. Huh. As opposed to the bad cult, which I don't have a joke for that prepared. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> takers are, takers are straight up givers. Yeah. You, except instead of it being a weird alien artifact you get blended with, you get blended with something from out of space and time that goes, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's a symbiote from, uh, from Cthulhu universe. Yeah, you get to be Cthulhu Venom. Right. So basically, the way that takers work are you have a, uh, specific type of thing that you are. Like you're a phantom taker, or I don't even remember most of these names. There's a nightmare, and a shadow and a... taker. Yeah, and each one of them is basically a type of bioorganic monster. Uh, and and... Each has their own sort of specialty. So you've got one that's like, I'm a big tanky dude, and I'm a stealth one, and I fly, now, and whatever. This, if this doesn't sound convincing enough, and if you've seen Giver, and you know there's only like three Givers, and they pretty much all look the same. Uh, they all of these have a super weapon that they can only use once per fight. Yep. They actually have a limit break fight weapon shot that they can do. So they have to tear their chest open and fire their ultra beam laser because this is Giver. Yeah, no. The, uh, the actual weapon for the nightmare one is just you have three beams that coalesce in your chest and shoot out and it's an ultra beam. Yep. Congratulations. You have just ripped off Giver. That's right. It. Yeah. So, so. And of course, they fight a different cult that have Dohanoids. Dohanoids. Dohanoids are... They're just takers because you only have one source for power to come from. Well, they're zoonoids. They're zoonoids. But they're they're monsters that can take the form of men or men that can take the form of monsters. Oh. Who really knows? Who is the monster and who is the man? Thank you, the Kierkegaardian authors of this book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And that's... Honestly, just sort of its own little storyline. Yeah, because you can't play a, a, a Tager in the in the military, and the cult doesn't have anything but Tagers and foot soldiers and and wizards, and they don't really work well with the Tagers because the Tagers are way above their level. Oh yeah, no. If you send a Tager out to do something, it's like special forces. Yeah, and you're not just gonna send some chode who then just dies to a doanoid. Yeah, so, and, and when we say they're way above their level, that's because this game has the SDC-MDC system of, <laughs> of uh, fan-favorite Palladium, uh, except that it's called uh, Vitality for what humans gots, yep. and Integrity for what robots and giant monsters have. Yeah, so and, if you aren't doing Integrity damage, then fuck off. And if you get hit by something that does Integrity damage, and you're just a dude, it'll kill you. Yeah. Like, it's no sense in rolling, it just kills you. So it's almost the same as MDC, SDC. The only big difference is that there is a, uh, uh, the conversion chart is 1 to 50 instead of 1 to 100. It's yeah. one point of vitality damage to every 50 integrity. And, uh, integrity level armor, if you have even a little bit of integrity level armor, you are immune to vitality damage. You yeah. just can't take it anymore. No, someone will shoot you with a gun and you'll be like, I do not care. I am a big uh, tank. Yeah, I am a mech, whatever. Yeah. So, Doanoids are one of the bad guy types. They are, they are the Zoanoids from Giver, except that they are Cthulhu-y. Yeah, and the, the Tagers get the ability to sort of sense Doanoids. So, they, they exist in their own storyline. And it's a whole little separate game. Yeah, the, the book presents the classes in sort of the same way that Rifts does, in that you're like, 
What do you have? Well, we've got fucking hatchling dragons in the same book that you can be a vagabond. But it does at least say, if you're going to run a game, run a game where everyone is the same thing. Yes. Do all soldiers, and then you just run around and it's fucking Cthulhu Vietnam. Or you're all mech pilots, and you're doing Cthulhu Macross. Or you're all Tagers, and you're doing Cthulhu Giver. Yes. Whatever it happens to be, pick one thing, stick with that. Because otherwise this shit didn't work. So at least they, the writers, understand that they didn't necessarily want to balance Mm -hmm. everything against each other. Which, I mean, at least they're aware of it. Yeah. Now there's a bunch of different types of mechs you can be. In addition to angles, you can also be regular mechs. Uh, There's two types of generic mechs. Actually three. There are mechs for humans... Mechs for Nazadi. Now, again, Nazadi and humans are roughly identical. They have the same medical uh, requirements. They have similar genes. They can interbreed. They are the same size. Uh, Nazadi robots are basically just robots built by the Migu for them. Pretty much. That that they then kept around. And they have... It's just, we brought these with us when yeah. we came to invade, and, and now we've got them all left over. And they look like jaggedy elf robots. And it says that humans can fly them, but usually don't. <laughs> So you've got two types of giant robots to choose from. There's about six of each, so there's a lot of robots to choose from. And then yep. there's about six Angels, which gives you another source of giant robots. And then the last category of non-Angel giant robots is the Migu. The Migu are, since they're just flying space bugs, they have their own giant robots they can fly around in. And they all look like even bigger bugs. Yeah, which I thought was kind of hilarious that they're like, yeah, you're fighting highly advanced beings from another planet, and that, whatever, they just get into mechs, too. We yeah. don't care. And then, not just mechs, but, like, mechs that look exactly like a robot scorpion. Yeah, you like get, gonna... like, a robot pill bug to yeah, fight. It's, it's a silverfish and a scorpion and a wasp and a mantis. It, it really looks like a collectible playset. <laughs> get, get them all. These are the vehicles the Mego fly around in. Yeah, and, you know, they, they do a bit of, a like, hey, except it doesn't have... As many legs, or too many legs, or some weird appendage, so it's not just a drawing of an insect, but it is pretty much just a drawing of an insect. It looks a lot like the Cobra Commander's arsenal of we- of of rides. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a door on them, you know, there's no way to get in and out, it's, it's kind of like someone drew those on a lazy Sunday afternoon before they had to check out on a Friday. I'm not saying the art's really good, I'm saying that if a toy designer were to make them, that's how they would have come into existence. This book's got okay art, it's got a lot of drow in it for a book that doesn't have drow in it, but otherwise, okay art. Also... The weirdest Migu I have ever seen. Yeah, normally the the Migu are sort of weird, archy, yeah, they're backed, kind of bent over asparagus on a tripod with shitty wings. Yeah, with like big feet and the dangly bits they have. Instead of being the sort of clustered tentacles that you would recognize from a Cthulhu or like a Illithid. Illithid or anything yeah. like that. They've just got, like, weird dangly bits all over their bulb head. They're supposed to be, like, tool-based, like a horseshoe crab. Like, every every appendage they have does something specific. And then they have crappy wings. Like, their wings are literally just two child-drawn triangles awkwardly <laughs> jammed onto the back of their back. In this book, they're, they're I don't know, they look like... They like cucumbers with with bug wings at the midsection and, and a bunch tentacles. of and a bunch of tentacles dangling off them. Yeah, um, and they're they're not upright. They're they're flying. They look like they fly all the time. Like they don't land and walk around. Yeah, that which is odd to me because the the like I said, I mean the feet were sort of a big clawed, goofy looking thing, and that yeah. it just looked like they were meant to walk around. And now it just it doesn't even look like they have appendages. It's just like a big fat flying green sausage with tentacles. Yeah, they're very. It's a weird look. I mean, I'm not saying it's a terrible look. No, it's, 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 I mean, it still looks 
weird Lovecraftian thing. Yeah, it's, it's a just a thing. different thing. I, I've got no. I mean, the only problem I have with the Migu is that their plans kind of s- suck. Oh yeah. Uh, otherwise, I think they're all right. They they are poorly thought out. Yeah. But whatever. But don't think the Migu are the only threats in the game. We've already mentioned one other in the the whatever the bad cult with the Doanoids is called because there's like three bad cults. Yeah. There's the has the cult that's run by Hastur. Yeah. You have the cult of the unnameable because yeah. you can't say Hastur or else you know stuff happens. Yeah, he'll show up or something. And he's in this game. Hastur is alive. He set up shop in a castle in East Asia. And well, he he himself has not. No, it like, says he has. It says his gaunt dead form is on a castle in East Asia, which may or may not fully exist on this plane. Yeah. Well, man. Yeah. They said his he showed up and walked out there, which is funny to me because meanwhile, the cult of uh, of the deep ones or whatever is trying to wake up Cthulhu, and I was, you know, I'm not a huge Lovecraft mythos fan. But I always thought Haster was, like, one of the big bads. Like, one of the real big bads. And Cthulhu was basically, like, a lieutenant who's famous because he has a story named after him. Yeah, it's... You know, Haster is like, what are you? I'm an actual god? Yeah. What, what is Cthulhu? Uh, some old beast that yeah, the he's gods a, made. He's a big monster and he wakes up and immediately gets Prince eric by a boat and goes right <laughs> back away again. It's a Little Mermaid reference. Yeah. No, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah... The fact that the game even goes as far as to say, like, yeah, the, if the Deep One cult wakes up, Cthulhu, everyone's dead. I go, really? We we don't have ships anymore? He's like the only god in the mythos where there's a story for what happens if he wakes up. And, and instead he gets he, poked by a boat and he goes back to sleep. He gets punked like a bitch. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But we've got a bunch of cults, and that's the only reason that the Migo haven't just wrecked humanity it's because they're like, oh, if we, like, steamroll normal humanity, these cults will kill us all. Because as bad as the Migo are, they are still afraid of the old gods and, and things like that. Haster's running two different cults all by himself. He's got one that's all kind of, they want to infest the government. And they already have. It says that, like, a bunch of people in the government are already running as Haster's spies and minions. And they're very kind of infiltrate and secretive. And then there's another one that's just monsters. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just the raping storm, they call it. Yeah, you've got two different ones who are like, either we need to destroy humanity by corrupting humanity, or we need to destroy humanity by destroying humanity. And they don't like each other, is the thing that I, th- I found interesting. They don't even think they're working for the same god. Yeah, no, and Haster apparently has an opinion on it, and that opinion is, eh. Yeah. So there's one of your bad guys, and then there's a whole cult dedicated to wake- waking up Cthulhu, and that's the cult of the Deep Ones. Yeah, that's the uh, the ones dedicated to Dagon. And mm-hmm. this, of course, actually from the books. Uh, the esoteric order of Dagon. Yeah. yeah. the You have the Deep Ones that are, you know, they interbreeding cities. with the coastal people. And goes a little farther than just voluntarily interbreeding. Mm-hmm. and. And then you get turned into a fish man. And then eventually you're a hybrid, and then eventually after that you turn into a full-blown deep one. Mm-hmm. And, and and then you start building robots, because they have their very own suits of power armor. Oh, I mean, why wouldn't you? Of course, it's a game like that. So so they have two different types of power armor that the fish dudes can ride around in. Yeah. It says they're normally piloted by the hybrids. Yeah, because deep ones tend to just sort of, you know, hang out in the deep. Yeah, and based on their art, their elbows are connected by a thin strip of flesh to their dicks. 
<laughs> and, and so, so they probably can't really operate a, a, a power armor suit without hurting themselves. It really looks like they probably couldn't lift their arms to a 90 degree angle out from their bodies without giving themselves quite the yank. Uh, Again, great art in this book. Really, really great art. I keep top, making, top notch. I keep making fun of it, but, but, uh, it's a really great picture of elbow dick fish man. Yeah. And, and that's just you not viewing that picture correctly. I'm that's, sure it is. It's just, is, it's just a perspective issue. Yeah. That, that is just you and your hang up on dick flesh. Flesh being connected to things. <laughs> I'm just saying those guys look like they often get hung up on dick flesh <laughs> and doors. <laughs> okay, so uh, there's one last class of power that you can get to in this book. Uh, both groups use it. The, the military will use it and the cult will use it. The good cult. And that's magic. Yep. This game has a nice little magic system, uh, but it's Cthulhu magic. Yeah, it's the kind of magic that is ancient lore and knowledge and his horrible rituals that you need to perform under the right stars. Yeah. So it's it's not so much casting lightning bolt. It's a lot of, you gotta take a bath and not eat for a few days. Yeah. And, and then you get a flying ball. Yeah, you have, you have to prepare yourself to channel the energies from outside time and space, and then you created an Easter egg that floats behind you. We really like that spell. That that spell is amazing. It's uh, so it's a uh, you have to fast for a day, and you need to have a whole bunch of stuff, including a ball made of only one material. And then you do a big ritual that takes several hours, and then the ball becomes a flying weapon. Like it's non-lethal because it's a ball, but it like can fly and ram into people and so on. And then it, the reason we both get such a kick out of it is because it has a little description in it that says. While the ball must be made of a single material, after it's made, you can decorate it to your own liking. Yeah, you can just be like, "I'm gonna make this a fucking Easter egg." I'm gonna, I'm gonna attach another non-flying ball to it and a dick, and I'm gonna make a flying dick that hits people. <laughs> I've just got junk that floats around behind me. Yeah, Woo, that'll give someone an insanity point. <laughs> there's, there's also a spell called a degenerate that we we both enjoyed, which is it's one that lets you kind of uh, ruin people. It's Kind of like uh, their, their flesh rots off, or they get old real fast, and so on. And one of the things, again, you have to spend two days fasting. You have oh, to yeah. wear. You have to and, wear. All and this the- shit's got like material components. You need a pound of rotting flesh. So you need to head to Arby's <laughs> <laughs> before you can cast it. And then uh, it, what it what it ends up with all the spells. It's funny. We we just the spells in this game are are all rituals. Oh yeah. They all take at least two hours to cast and six hours to prepare, which means that you need to cast them before you go do anything. So if you're playing as a wizard in this so, game. So if you've got dinner plans, yeah. you better get up early in the morning to do your if, spells. If you've got dinner plans, cancel them because nearly every spell requires you to fast for two days first. <laughs> um, but it's weird because if you're playing a wizard, you're pretty much all before the adventure. Oh yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, I, we, we probably will need some scrying and some sense invisible. So I'll do those rituals and then we'll go. Yeah. Being the person who's the mage in a group, if that's what you're playing, is mostly on the fly mm-hmm. gonna be bad? Like, I can't imagine it being anything but an NPC because the only things that you're gonna cast ahead of time are, like you say, scrying or possibly like I put some wards up so that I don't die, things like that. Ooh, special note: um, there is one more source of power in the book. Uh, it's one of the merits. Oh yeah. And uh, for four points, and you get ten points to spend on your merits or something like that. For four of your points. You can have uh, latent parapsychic tendencies, which uh, it, in the in the book it says that this will give you psychic powers when they release the psychic powers book. Oh, this this fucking book is lousy with that. Yeah, they even they're like one of the tagers you can be is like yes, and this one is almost as common as the phantom. 
Which will be in this new book that we'll be putting out shortly. Well, I want to get through this real quick here, though, because the latent parapsychic tendency power for four points is a placeholder. It does nothing. Oh, yeah. You are allowed to take it. It's just so that if you're still playing that same character when whatever... I'm not going to try and pronounce it because it's just some Latin nonsense. Yeah. Vade something or other. Uh, when their psychic powers book comes out, you can be like, See, I took this back when I made the character, so I get to be a psychic. Yay. That's, that's what it is. It's putting a quarter on the rail so that you can get next when psychic powers hit. Uh, anyway, so wizards are probably not a great choice. Yeah, in this, in this game, wizards, not that amazing. That's alright. I mean, there really wasn't a wizard anime that they were stealing from. No. So, yeah. that, that's probably why that is. Well, yeah, is. They, they stole the entire, uh, magic system from the Cthulhu side rather right. than the anime side, which and, means it's awful for you. Yeah, you don't want to play it because no one wants to play Cthulhu games. Although, I seem to, people seem to enjoy them. I keep hearing people telling me that they enjoy Call of Cthulhu games. Yeah, because the, the entire thing is, hey, we did this thing and then everyone went insane or, and or died. I think it's one of those, you know, it's just like big eyes, small mouth. We get people who tell us, like, oh, this game's more about the story and, and, and the human interaction. No, every game is about the story and the human interaction. That's why you're playing a role-playing game and you're not playing Parcheesi. Huh, huh. The difference between these games is whether or not they're good at the rules that they give you to do the stuff you could do without them. Yeah. You know, so, you could just go, hey, I do this, and then that would be a story and you wouldn't need rules for that. Yeah, and then you could put on some black trench coats and smoke some cigarettes and talk about the Camarilla. <laughs> oh, there's an experience. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this uh, this book, also the magic system, of course, because it's Cthulhu magic, has a chart for what happens if you critically fail while trying to cast a spell. If you critically fail and then roll this chart and then critically fail on this chart, you kill the whole party. Yeah, yeah you're dead and maybe everyone else is also dead. Which is uh, it's a really good thing to put in your game as a random chance for your campaign to end. Yeah, I I personally thought it was kind of hilarious. Yeah, that there is just the slimmest of chances that you would fuck up so bad that you have to go. All right, well everyone's dead. I think it's a one in thirty six chance after you do your first critical failure. <laughs> so a one in thirty six, you just end the world for yourself and the rest of your party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. But most of the other things on the chart, there's a two to twenty. Uh, yeah. Because you're rolling 2d10. And most of the other things are just sort of, you get fucked in some way. Uh, not, like, dead, but at least, like, you have horrible visions and you lose concentration for whatever. Or... One of the things on the chart is you smell like vanilla from now on. Hell yeah, which, Jesus, that would be amazing. It'd be really good if you took Repellent 3, Stinky. <laughs> and then you roll that and you're like, yeah, now I smell like vanilla. Free points. Woo! <laughs> Oh my Mid-max. god. Mid-max. That's what's happening. <laughs> so, um, okay. Once you get your party together, you're going to head out and get into combat with people. And this game, like we mentioned earlier, uses this really weird system of, uh, of skill checks where you roll a, uh, a set number of dice equivalent to what you're trying to do. You're, in this case, shooting at someone. You roll your shoot in dice, take your weird number, add it to your static value, your agility, and then there are three different things that inform how much damage you do. Oh, there's... At least a there's an active defense as well. Yeah, we'll get... uh, they roll to dodge, but it's not a static value that they're rolling against, which is nice. It does yeah. if you hit them really well. It's then... an opposed check. Yeah, yeah. There's an opposed check for whether or not you can hit or miss somebody. Once you've hit somebody, you add the damage that the weapon does. Yeah. Your bonus in strength dice, if applicable, and it's not the damage. Like if a weapon does damage two, 
Actually, hang on, we'll get to that. Um, so you add your strength, you add the flat damage of the weapon, and you add, I think the last one is how well you hit by, and that generates a, uh, and how well you hit by is like, did you beat their roll by 6 to 10? You get plus 2 dice. Did you beat their roll by 1 to 6? You get plus 1 die. And then you take all those numbers, add them together, and that's how many dice you roll for damage. So let's say you swing at someone with an axe, and you hit, and an axe does plus 1, yep. so you have 1 damage. And you have a strength that would give you another two, that's two damage. And you hit by six, which gives you another two, that's five. Now you roll five dice, and that's how much damage you do. You do five d10 damage to a guy that has probably, I don't know, 35, 40 health. Now, what they're going to respond to, uh, if they're wearing armor, their armor will have an armor rating. Like, say, for example, you're just wearing a, a, a Kevlar vest, and it has a rating of one. And it'll it'll actually have a rating for ranged attack or melee attack or hybrid, which yeah. is uh, there's a whole bunch of weird types of damage in this game. Um, you will roll that many dice. So if a web, if a armor suit has a rating of one, you roll one die and you subtract that much damage from how much you're taking. Yeah. Now let me go through quickly how the health track in the system works. Every character in this world has six hit points. However, each hit point has sub hit points built into it. They are like unharmed, flesh wound, light wound, uh, you know, medium wound, critically injured. They go down a chart like that. Yeah. Um, unharmed has one hit point in it. it you you can only be harmed or unharmed. You can't be partially unharmed. So it's got one hit point of unharmed. Each other track, so from between light wound and flesh wound, you have a number of hit points equivalent to your vitality, which is your your constitution, basically. Yeah, your tenacity. Yeah. So, uh, so you have a set number of hit points that's equivalent to basically five times your constitution plus one. Yeah. Uh, and the average constitution for a person is five. The average constitution for a player character is six. So on average, you probably have around 30 hit, uh, HP to take. So it's real easy to die. Oh yeah. Which, yeah. If someone, like, shoots you with a gun that does even a decent amount of damage, and you're not wearing armor, mm -hmm. you're probably almost dead, at least. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, actual melee weapons are going to be way more damaging because a pistol's going to do one die of damage, but a steel katana will do two. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me that this game only has five melee weapons in it and four of them are katanas. <laughs> well, it's anime, so it's, of course. It's got anime and a composite like, super steel katana does the most damage of any weapon. Yeah. So, you know, unless you're firing a fucking missile at someone and you're in a mech, then by God, you should hit them with a katana. Yeah. And, and if you're in a mech, you should probably have a mech-sized katana. Thankfully, they don't have those. All the mech close combat weapons are just called hyper edges. Yeah. Yeah, you have a hyper edge blade or a yeah, hyper edge. Yeah, my hyper edge looks like a katana. Yeah, most of them look like wrist mounted blade pop things. Oh yeah, you're gonna, you're yeah. gonna have the, the standard either get the, uh, the Voltron sword that you bring out, yeah. or you're gonna have the Pacific Rim sword that just pops out of your hand. Right. Yeah, the Pacific Rim sword, which is made of interlinking ch chain things and then it snaps together into a single sword like IVs from Soul Calibur. Yeah. Yeah, one of those. You, you're probably gonna have something like that. Uh, okay. So. This is basically telling you that if you're playing this game, you really need to get into a big suit of armor. You need to be in a mech, or you need to be a giant uh, monster, anything along those lines. Because otherwise, you're probably going to die when someone shoots you. And even if you don't, this game's got one of them realistic health track recovery systems. Uh, uh. Where, like, going from flesh wound to unharmed takes three days. Yeah, the the game... 
I hate any game that really thinks that this is a good idea. Like, you can have something where there can be, yeah, this takes a few days to recover from before you're going to be good to go. Because it's, if you get super fucked up, you've got things where it's like, yeah, you can have a convalescing scene. It, mm-hmm. it adds some RP opportunity. But when it gets to a point where it's like, this will take you four months. I go, well, who gives a fuck? You go, all right, well, four months later. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a difference between you have to spend a day in the hospital. We have to do a scene where you're in the hospital and it's uncomfortable and you have to talk through it and there's doctors bugging you and so on. And four months later. Yeah. And that's what the difference. And the problem is that the only time you ever hear that four months later is right after someone does something super heroic. Because whatever it is, they went flying into action and got beat near to damn death. Yeah. And then their next scene is they're fine because no one wants to roleplay four months of convalescence and no one wants to do an adventure where one guy's not playing. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd be like, okay, well, Tim's in the hospital, so he can just go fuck himself and everyone else, this is your adventure for the week. What he's going to be doing is reading from a random letter of the dictionary. (laughs) We'll be getting pizza. (laughs) This book doesn't even mention pizza. I'm sad about that. You should be sad. I know. About. It does. Also, this game, everyone in it is called a storyteller. Uh, every, every yeah. player is a storyteller and the, the, uh, DM is a story guide. Ah, because, yes. Because he is only slightly more important than them, according to the book. Yep. Yep. Which is, it's nice. It doesn't give you the whole, like, the DM is God. Yeah. It does have a lot of Cthulhu y stuff in it, which, you know, okay, it's Cthulhu tech. It should. But I've never been a fan. So when I'm reading through it, I'm just like, oh gosh. Okay. So. Where are these monsters? Oh, they live in the darkest recesses of the deepest holes of the most primeval woods. Okay. All right, sure. That's a lot of descriptions for they're gross and creepy. I gotcha. <laughs> what was the one that was, I don't remember what, and I think it was just a random demon-y dog, th- or like monster, and it said, uh, scholars compare these to the most dangerous of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just ghasts. I was like, what is that? It is the most dangerous dog. What? <laughs> scholars say these are like the most dangerous dogs. What's What, high scholars? That sounds like something a very high scholar would say. Who, on, a, on a scale of one to like dog, how dangerous is <laughs> Wait, this? Wait, what's the most dangerous dog? This dog is like, there's a piece of sausage, but it's on a button for a nuke. <laughs> And that dog's going to get that sausage, man. He's the most dangerous dog. He's a dog with a bunch of swords glued to him, thrown out of a helicopter into a mall. It's it's the dog that knows he's a dog. It's the most dangerous. He's become aware. We can't let dogs know they're dogs. (laughs) No, the most dangerous dog? What? They're, they're, They're very dangerous. You can call them that. You can say they're as dangerous as dangerous dogs, but the most dangerous dog. The most dangerous dog, which as we all know was Sparks McGillicuddy. He died five years ago. He was the reigning champ and now he is dead. His replacement, James Dog. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's get through the uh, let's get through the question and answer section of this this game. John, what's your what's your favorite thing about Cthulhu Tech? Uh, my my favorite thing is uh, you know, I really like the, uh, resolution system. Yeah, me too. Uh, the fact that you've got multiple different ways to come at your role to see if you did something, I think is interesting. Uh, instead of just adding more and more dice onto things, adding ways in which you have to pay attention to your dice is good. 
and it makes players more involved with their roles. I like that poker mechanic. I'd like to see more of that. I'd like I'd I'd love to see a game where you actually roll like. 5d10 and you try to build a poker hand out of what you got. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you've got certain games where you actually just use cards and are doing poker. Yeah, there's a few of them out there. Uh, I think Aces and Eights is one of them. Yeah. And there's, yeah, and I know there's at least Malifaux, which is a tabletop, <laughs> uh, like, miniature battle game that do- that uses card mechanics. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's interesting and it's a way to use... Uh, a D10 system that I haven't seen before, so I do, I like the novelty of it in addition to the fact that it's just interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh wait, just ask me yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, well, you wouldn't, because you wouldn't shut up. I can't ask you. You're oh, so mean. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, uh, what, what was your favorite thing, you jerk? I feel terrible now. I, I liked the concept of the Tagers a lot. Uh, I, I would totally play a Tager game. Uh, I thought that was kind of neat that they, they basically had Guyvery dudes that, that, uh, turned into Cthulhu monsters to fight other Cthulhu monsters. I, I think it's a little crippled by the, by the, uh, insanity system. Cause again, all Tagers get insanity and have to check to see if they get another insanity, uh, every couple of days. Um, or every month. Every month they have to check to see how much more insane they go. Yeah. But otherwise, I really like that concept of like shape-shifting neo-humans fighting demons in a, in, in a world. That's that, that that was the part of the game that really reached out and grabbed me that was like, oh, I want to play that. That sounds rad. Yeah, because yeah. I think the, the sort of main storyline of big army fighting other weird alien army, I'm like, okay, I get it, but it doesn't grab me. The sort of weird Cthulhu cloak and dagger that you get with the Tagers and the Donoids. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Right. I, I wish it was a little less... I mean, they put a little more veneer of this isn't just Giver on it, but, well, but you know, what, what are you going to do? And, okay, what is your least favorite thing about this game, Cthulhu Tech? City of Violence. City of Violence. Uh, It... Honestly, I just don't like the the background for a lot of stuff. Okay. Uh, The... I mean, like we mentioned before, the anime is very specific, and the Cthulhu stuff is just, it feels sort of tacked on in a lot of places of just, also, here's a light spread of Cthulhu over the top of whatever you were doing. Right. I can see that. The one thing where they were like, no, we're really doubling down on the Cthulhu stuff is the Mego storyline, which is just awful. I mean, it's just terrible. I don't remember the Lovecraft books having a bunch of Nazati in them. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not. So, I'm surprised you didn't just say Nazati were your least favorite thing because it's <laughs> just so they feel so tacked on. They were just like, well, we need to put in a sexy drow race. Yeah, which <sighs> fucking really, you don't, you no. don't really. Yeah, but still, I I include the Nazati as just part of the Migo storyline. Yeah, it it makes no sense and is awful for all of the bits that they try to put in there. Sure. Uh, so your least favorite thing. Mech combat. We didn't get into it, but mech combat is a bunch of obsessive tracking of minutiae, which huh. which feels like it's all going to get ignored during the game. Like for example, you have to track the altitude of your of your mech at any given time, and everything in this game can fly with crazy anti grav machines, which will make you go insane if you study how they work. Um, I don't mean that as a gamer. I mean literally in this game, if you study how the tech works that the people are using, you go insane. Like uh, that's that's why the Arcanists all go insane. Yeah, the Arcano technology was made when someone was like, "Hey, non-Euclidean math," and then went insane and yeah. had a blueprint for but, an engine. But they're like, "Okay, so you should know how high up in the air your your uh, literally there's a section in the book that says you should know how high up in the air your your uh, mech gets after 30 seconds of flight." 
So what you're going to want to do is put 3D10 down and use those to indicate the hundreds, tens, and ones digit in feet of how high up in the air you are. Now, you know how fast you can go, so what you need to know is that the Pythagorean theorem is your friend for the purposes of determining how far you got and how far up you got. Now, it's just like, ah, why? Shoot a missile at the other one, and then it shoots a missile at you. That's None of this is going to happen. You don't, This isn't a miniatures combat game. Yeah, trying to be too specific on, you're in this thing, and this guy's over here, and if... Two mechs leave from one station going 50 miles an hour, and another mech leaves from another station going 60 yeah. miles an hour. One of the cutest things in that section is that they have you roll a uh, where the missile is coming from chart, which is using the uh, you know the, the clock math, the air the uh, air combat clock math. Except this game uh, doggedly re- uh, refuses to acknowledge non D10s, which means it's, <laughs> it's a D10 roll for 12 potential positions. Uh, uh, they do that by using 30s, so it goes from 10:30 to 12. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's my least favorite thing. Uh, I just I, I don't like that kind of thing where a game gets. I feel the same way like old D and D where it's like, oh, what's the flight category of your monster? Is it is it C? Okay, then get out a hex grid and you're able <laughs> to turn two hexes during one combat round. Uh, uh, anyway, that sort of thing always gets ignored. Yeah, it it's one of those things where someone's gonna look at that think maybe we should do it, run one session where they try to enforce it, and then everyone is like, halfway through, no, no, fuck this, I just shoot him, uh, did I hit? Yeah, if you try to play with that kind of rules, you will get one insanity point. (laughs) Okay, uh, would you play Cthulhu Tech? I would play the shit out of this. I don't know why... Like, I've bitched about the storyline and a lot of the stupid mechanics and things, but... For some reason, more than a lot of the other Cthulhu things, or the other anime-inspired things we've looked at, for some reason I was like, yeah, this seems like it would be fun. I could see myself playing this. There's something so... And I'm, I'm answering my own the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, you, you go right on ahead. Yeah, there's something so unabashed about its thievery that I'm okay with it. Yeah, the That's, fact that they didn't even try. Yeah, they're just like, would you like to play Giver Genesis Evangelia Thulu? That's, we got that for you. Here it is. I'm like, Here, oh, okay, do great. it. Well, all right, I'll, I guess I'd like to play that. I think the rules are, are, are interesting. There's a lot of stuff that would probably need to be house ruled. You need to really simplify the mech math. Yeah, yeah. You, you need to, uh, make it so that wizards are something that either you just don't play as at all, or that you need to give them faster spells they can cast. I mean, I understand that in a Cthulhu universe, all spells are slow and make you go insane, but this is also an anime universe. So give yeah. those guys some badass things they can do. And there's, uh, the other, Big thing for me was, as much as we have loved on the Tagers and that stuff, and they are probably my favorite thing in the book as far as the classes go, uh, there's uh, four of them, but one of them is better than all of the other oh, ones. Oh, yeah, the Nightmare one is just like... It's just... It's better. It's got better stats. Yeah. Okay. And what you end up having with that is, when you roll to see if you can be bonded with a Tager, they're like, yeah... When you roll for your thing, you can go ahead and see if you get to have a nightmare. And if you do, you just are better than other people. So having having the ability to be just better than everyone else if you're playing a, a pure Tager game is... that That's a weak point to Actually, me. Actually, it's not just that. If you want to ride the Tager, or the Nightmare Tager in particular, uh, Tagers require a player to take a uh, one of the merits of yeah. Tager Pilot... And Nightmare is the only one that requires two merits. It also requires Tager, colon, exceptional. 
Yeah. Which means you spent six of your ten bonus points just on being able to ride a Tager, and you've traded two insanities, because you, you actually get a bonus insanity for riding a better Tager. So there are some downsides to it. Um, yeah. Well, the, that's what this yeah. book tends to try to balance things with uh, the merits and flaws. A lot, yeah. Like, like you've even, got a lot of duty to certain yeah. things. Even soldiers get an automatic flaw in that they have to work for a government. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorites in the flaws section, by the way, is Watched. Which, they aren't doing anything to you, they're just watching you. And I love that one. I just, every time I play this game, I'm going to take three points and watch and be like, fucking see it! Look at that! Look at yeah, that! Look, get my, look at my wang out! Yeah, yeah I'm strutting. I'm yeah. strutting. I don't, I don't give a shit, because I didn't take any rivals or enemy companies or anything. <laughs> you're just looking. And you know what? I don't know why you're looking. I assume you're getting off on it, but I'm good with it. It's cool. I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, Sorry. So, there you go. Uh, out, out of the blue, a solid recommend. We would both play this game. Yeah, I... I think it's got some issues, but I don't think there's any game that I'd actually say is perfect, and I think mm-hmm. it's a definite playable game. Right. It's a mid-2000s game, uh, which shows it's got some kind of upgrades over... Yeah, it's uh, got a little more modern sensibility you know, to it. The 80s and 90s stuff we regularly review. So, I, And uh, for a little shop and house notes, I have this is the second edition of Cthulhu Tech. I've never seen the first edition. I don't know what edition they're on. Because, again, we don't do any reviews or, or uh, research <laughs> at all. Nope. Zero research. So uh, if if there's a better edition of Cthulhu Tech out there, by all means, let us know, because we might start playing this game. This might be the one that hooks us. The one. Yeah. It only took us 20 episodes to find a game <laughs> that we would play. I mean, that's not true. Street Fighter. We both said we'd play Street Fighter. Yeah. Also, Heroes Unlimited. Oh, right. Our, fuck our, you. Our, I would play that at the drop of a hat. Our inaugural episode where we admitted we would play Heroes Unlimited. But we don't recommend anyone else. Play. No, no, that's just never even. Look there's at something book. special about the two of us. <laughs> we can't even find anyone to play that game with us. Like it's impossible. Yeah, I yeah. just sit around looking at my book, sad that no one else will play this with me. Yep. So okay, that that has been this week's episode of System Mastery. As always, if you have a comment for us, just leave it right there underneath the uh, underneath the post. Otherwise, you can find us on Facebook at System Mastery, SystemMasteryGmail.com. SystemMasteryPodcast.com is where you found this. And uh, I think we're also System Mastery on Twitter, although all I use that is for bitching at AT&T. Well, you know, you gotta use it for something. AT&T does suck. It it does. It's it, I get an insanity point every time I call their customer service. I, oh, I'll be here all week. Totally true. <laughs> now for traffic. Try the pepper steak. <laughs> wait, no, no, wait. You're doing you're doing I'm wacky doing, DJ yeah. and I'm doing I'm doing zoo crew. And what I'm are doing, you doing I'm doing local comedian. <laughs> Tip your waitress, folks. She works hard. Local comedian here in the zoo crew. Wow, wow, wow. All right. Thank you and good night. Good night.